Good morning, everybody. Are you well? Hope you've been sunbathing over Easter, this Easter break. Uh, unbelievably, it feels like we have gone through Easter already. And so we're just about to start a new sermon series uh, called For Such a Time as This. And over these next kind of eight weeks or so, we'll be looking at a whole bunch of different characteristics that we feel are vitally important for us as disciples in this time, in fact, any time. And we'll be looking at integrity, courage, compassion, faithfulness, humility, the spirit, generosity. Uh, and we'll be using a, a person or event or a passage in scripture that, that sort of particularly highlights this. And so today we are starting this off by looking at the person of Gideon. And we will be saying that for such a time as this, dependence is needed. And much of this sort of content that I'm going to go through has been, I, I did in one of my sort of Cultivate sessions on the Cultivate course. If you're there last year, you'll have heard most of this. I'm sorry, but most of us need to hear something at least twice for it to sink in. So grin and bear it, I'd say. So uh, let's just, as we start though, let's just pray again and invite the Holy Spirit to fall on us. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it cuts between bone and marrow. It gets to the heart of who we are. It's not just ancient words on a sheet. It is the living word of God. And Lord, we, we don't want to approach it with any other sense than that. Lord, we thank you for the power of your word, but it's only powerful through your spirit, and so we ask for your spirit, please. Lord, for each of us, may the spirit fall on us that we may hear your word. We want to be changed through it. Lord, speak. Your servants are listening. Speak, your servants are listening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For such a time as this, dependence is needed. And the story of, of Gideon is a wonderful story. I think maybe more than any other character in Scripture, this guy Gideon demonstrates that dependence, if we are going to walk with God, dependence is required for all of us. And, and Gideon also teaches us that our journey of dependence starts somewhere that nobody likes. It's, it begins with a secret ingredient that characterizes all the great heroes of Scripture. If you go through it from Moses and David and um, uh, Jeremiah to Gideon himself, it's a secret ingredient that none of us like. It's something that none of us ever aspires to in any age, in any season. And this thing, this secret ingredient for kingdom victory, this secret ingredient that lies at the heart of dependency is... Weakness. Gideon teaches us that our journey of dependency, our point of weakness, bizarrely and amazingly in the hands of God, is our point of greatest strength. A, a while back I came across a true story, the true story of a, of a little boy, 10 years old, who started taking up judo. Nothing amazing about that. Apart from this, this boy had just been through a massive car accident and he had lost his left arm. And, and he went to this judo master and he said, you know, can you take me on? He said, I'll take you on. 
After a few months, I forgot his name, so let's call him Johnny. After a few months, Johnny realized his teacher had been, apart from some basics, teaching him basically one move. And so, and so he finally built up courage and he asked his teacher, he said, teacher, why are you teaching me one move? And his teacher said to him, you only have one move, you'll only need one move. And he accepted this. And so it's a few months later of training and, and working at it, he, he, his teacher enrolled him on a, um, a competition. And, and uh, first of all, they weren't sure about having him. Everyone else was able-bodied apart from little Johnny. But they sort of allowed him in, and his first round, to everyone's surprise, Johnny won it very quickly, very easily. Second round, a bit harder, but he won it. Third round, again harder, but he won it again. And he kept on winning, and he got to the final. And he was up against a guy who was bigger than him, stronger than him, more experienced than him. It was a really tough bout, but Johnny won it. Johnny was the champion. So as they drove home, him and his kind of master talked through every single bout in detail, looking at it and talking it through. And then suddenly Johnny burst out. He had a question that had been on his mind all day and he burst out. He said, Master, how did I win this competition? I've got one arm and I've basically got one move. How did I win this thing? And his master said to him, Johnny, I wasn't going to tell you this, but you won this for two reasons. Firstly, you have nearly mastered one of the most difficult moves in judo. And secondly, the only known defense for that move is for your opponent to grab you by the left arm. <laughs> True story. Victory had been won for little Johnny, not through his strength, but actually at his point of greatest weakness. Victory is usually won for us at our point of greatest weakness because it's at our point of weakness that we cease to be self-sufficient and we recognize our need for dependence on God and this is the remarkable upside-down nature of God's kingdom. We are only strong when we don't rely on our strength. We are only sufficient when we are not self-sufficient. And because we are naturally self-sufficient, that's built into our humanity, we need to learn dependence. It's something that we have to learn. And we nearly always learn dependence through our weaknesses. It's our weaknesses that teach us that self-sufficiency is a mirage. It's a falsehood. It's completely unreliable. Learning this takes time, but this is the, the, the vital truth that lies at the heart of dependency. It is not our weaknesses that cripple us, it's our self-sufficiency. In the kingdom of God, in the spiritual journeys that we are on, in, in the life of the Spirit, in such a time as this, it is not your weakness that cripples you. It is your self-sufficiency that cripples you. Reliance on our own our strength and cap cap capability, if I can say it, will not do. It won't cut it. It limits the horizon of what we as disciples can do and achieve. It's the only thing that limits us, actually. And because of this, we need to learn dependence. It seems there never has been in all of biblical history a man or woman of God who has been used in a meaningful way, who started their journey at a place of position and strength. Never. And, and this 
as we read Gideon's story in this defining moment of Gideon's life as he's approached by an angel asking him to um, you know, do a job. Gideon has all his disqualifications lined up before him as to why he couldn't do it as Moses did before him and Jeremiah did after him and countless generations of those faced by God for any kind of job. He says, I come from a weak tribe. I come from a weak clan. I'm the least in my family. I can't do it. Find somebody else. I can't do it. And you know, those people who know me know that this is my story as well. You know, you don't have to spend much time with me to know that I have a speech problem. I have a stammer. I've struggled with this for many, many years. Sometimes I speak entirely fluently. Usually I struggle a little bit. Sometimes when I'm very tired, certainly in the early days, I could almost hardly get two words out. Even now, in my talks, I have to go through them with a fine tooth comb. I know exactly what I'm going to say, because there are words that I struggle with. Um, And my first call to the ministry wasn't to be ordained. It wasn't to church plant. It wasn't to uh, train and coach as I'm doing now. It was to preach and teach. And I got that call when I could not pray out loud in a group of four people. Couldn't do it. I was so afraid of what I would sound like. Even in conversations with one-on-one with people, I used to sort of come out with my shirt drenched with sweat, literally wet with sweat, at the anxiety of a conversation. And so when I got this call to preach and teach, the thought of it was so ludicrous that I said to God, as with Moses and, and, and Gideon and Jeremiah, I just said, Lord, I can't do it. Find somebody else. I can't do it. And yet here is the mystery. Out of my weakness comes my calling. And it has always been this way. Abraham and Sarah called to give birth to a nation. He was 100 years old. She was barren. Do you think their weakness was some kind of freak accident? Moses called to be a leader. He was weak and fearful. Himself, he had a problem with his speech that meant he didn't want to speak out loud. He was called to bring God's law to to God's people. He He was a murderer. He was morally bankrupt. Do you think his weaknesses were a freak accident? And it goes on and on. Let me tell you what our Bibles say about God's key people, his top servants. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Joseph was a slave. Moses had a speech problem and was a murderer. David was a shepherd boy and was another murderer. Peter was impulsive and always put his foot in it. The disciples were working class northerners for heaven's sake. (laughs) Paul appeared timid sometimes and was an unimpressive speaker. Martha worried about everything. Ruth was a foreigner. Gideon was afraid. Samson was a womanizer. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah was depressed. Timothy was too young. Abraham was too old. Zacchaeus was too short. Elijah was suicidal. Jonah was a coward. Timothy had an ulcer. And Lazarus was dead. And all these people have learnt the hard way that in the kingdom of God, it is vital that we feel personally incapable. I'm going to say it again. 
In the kingdom of God, it's vital that we feel personally incapable. In the kingdom of God, weakness isn't crippling. It's self-sufficiency that is crippling. The Apostle Paul himself, the great Apostle Paul, in 2 Corinthians, he struggled with this. He pleaded with God. He said, if you take away my weakness, how much more effective I would be. And God says, no, it doesn't work that way. He says, actually, if I took away your weakness, you'd be even less effective. He said, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. It's the only place it's made perfect. If you are to be used by God, there is no other way. And scripture tells us, and church history confirms to us, that personal weakness combined by reliance on God, complete reliance and obedience to the Holy Spirit, and the power of the Holy Spirit within us is the most potent, powerful cocktail in human history. And and you know, what follows on from this is another principle from from, um, Gideon's story, and that is this. If you feel comfortable and capable now, keep listening because you haven't finished hearing your call. I I love how this story of Gideon unfolds. The angel finds him in a wine press, basically a hole in the ground where he's hiding from his enemies. He's so frightened. And this Gideon, and, and this angel tells him, go out and raise an army. He's not a fighter. He's a farmer, but, but he goes out and he does so, and he raises an army of 32,000 Israelites. It's pretty good, but it's not great because he's up against 132,000 Midianites. He's outnumbered four to one, but, and he's still frightened. He's still incapable. He's still a, a farmer, not a fighter, but now he's ready for action. But actually, God isn't ready for action. Because though, and though Gideon's odds were not great, they weren't bad enough. If he was going to win, it was going to be difficult. But God isn't interested in difficult. And so this guy, Gideon, this frightened farmer, is asked to send 22,000 fighters home. And barely has he done it to his credit, he does it. And barely has he does it, he hears from God again. And God says, you were outnumbered four to one. That was difficult. It's now approximately 13 to one. That's highly unlikely. I'm not interested in highly unlikely. I'm interested in completely impossible. So send another 9,700 men home. 300 men against 132,000. Outnumbered 450 to one. Led by a frightened farmer. These are the odds that I'm looking for, says God. It's gone from difficult to highly unlikely to completely impossible. Now, says God, now I'm ready for action. My friends, in such a time as this, in God's kingdom, God is not looking for heroes. He's not looking for talent. He's not looking for charisma. He's not looking for strength. He's not looking for good odds. In fact, he's looking for terrible odds. He scouts around for those who are the weakest and most incapable. Why? Because of what it says in Gideon's story in Judges 7. Because so my people will know it is I who has done this. Not some superhero. It is I who has done this. God is not looking for strength and talent. He's looking for trust and dependence. Your weakness is not what cripples you. It's your self-sufficiency that's what cripples you. As a guy called Erwin Letzer once said, you become stronger only when you become weaker. When you surrender your will to God, you discover the, the resources to do what God requires. 
And there's Johnny Erickson Tada, that wonderful woman of God who became paralyzed from her neck down in a diving accident at age 17. She learned this phrase that I'm about to actually say that came out of her mouth. She said, deny your weakness and you will never realize God's strength in you. Maybe we know this in our heads, but how we act, how we decide, how we live our lives, how we respond to the improbable call of God on our lives demonstrates whether we really believe it or not. Just before I end, I want to tell you a well-known story. Most of us probably will have seen this in a social media or service somewhere, but I'm going to show it to you anyway. It's a story of a son and a father, and the son one day asked his father, Father, will you run a marathon with me? And the father was 66 years old. He had a heart problem, but he said, yes, my son, I will. And they trained and they did a marathon. After that, his son asked his father, Father, will you do another marathon with me? He says, yes, my son, I will. And then after that, after they did their other marathon, he, 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 um, the son asked his father, Father, will you do an Ironman triathlon with me? Uh, Ironman triathlon, four kilometers swimming, 180 kilometers cycling, 42 kilometers uh, running. And his father said, yes, my son, I will. This is their story. Let's have a quick look at it. As I say, you've probably seen it, but let's have a see, um, look at it again.